Hello. Hello. What a what a landing that was. Woo! Welcome to Question Block. Secret Lops live Instagram live live talk show that's virtual. Yeah, I think I just saw a shooting star go by in the background. It's <gasps> amazing. Oh no, it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this week's theme is space. I'm uh Captain Wires. Uh your astronaut of, I don't know, the USS Secret Loft. The, <laughs> the USSSS HHHHH. Hey, oh, you're picking a cosmic background for us. I was. I don't know what happened there. All right. But uh, it's I'll let okay. You keep on that. So, it's all good. for those of you listening to this as a, in podcast form, we're going to talk all about space tonight. We're going to talk about astronomers and the space race. Yes. We're going to be joined by a special guest later who will also tell us about something related to space. Yeah. It should be great. What makes this a special, because there's so many podcasts out there, what makes ours special? Why should people keep listening? Well, we're the most knowledgeable, clearly, about <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> about space. Obvio. That's uh, a given. I people mean. listening to the podcast, I think, can tell that we're wearing costumes, and I'm currently wearing a space suit, and you're wearing... A spacesuit. Really a snowsuit. It's a spacesuit. It's cold on my planet, okay? Yeah, any clothing can be a spacesuit if it's a habitable if you're planet. In, if you're in space. <laughs> if you're in. <laughs> if, you, if you're ready to play. Yeah. So uh, that's really what distinguishes yeah. us, I think. Also, we, we like, uh, pick the topic totally random. We have a discussion every week, and we're like, what do you want to do? And then we do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we really cram. So... Yeah, we like really cram for these all week and get the best information and filter it through our our brain spheres. Okay. Uh, and then we do a rave based on the theme, yeah. which I think makes it super unique as well. Well, there you go. It's a real package deal. So if you listen to any of this podcast, now you have to also go look up the rave on Twitch or YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Well, let's let's get into it. Okay, so space. What is it? <laughs> space. What is space? Um. So well, people have known about space <laughs> <laughs> since the dawn of time. We're gonna start, I suppose, with the history, right? Yes, we're gonna start with the history of just astronomy. Because mm-hmm. um, the ancient civilizations, astronomy is very important. And they had calendars based on, like, the phases of the moon and on the sun. And they were, like, had pretty good guesses and estimates long before Europeans uh, about, you know, a heliocentric universe. And what does that, that the Earth mean? was a planet and all that stuff. <gasps> uh, that the sun is the center of our solar system and the Earth is rotating, is orbiting around it. Uh, Word. They guessed that, which is, like, pretty cool. Yeah, the Mayans were pretty um, on on point, even though, you know, their calendar stopped in 2013 or 2012 or whatever. Yeah, 2012. <laughs> whatever. They're not going to know their calendar stopped, so they're mm-hmm. not going to know I messed it up. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually, they had it real spot on in, in 400 Surya, which actually means sun in... In Hindu, I believe, mm-hmm. Surya Siddha had the average length of a year, like, pretty darn good. And, 
yeah, everyone in the Middle East and uh, and India, they pretty much they like had their calendar down. They knew that things were heliocentric. They were like, we cool with this. We're just going to go build like the Taj Mahal and some mosaics and whatnot and like just be cool. Um, and then uh, in, in, in two. Yeah. How are they observing this stuff? They would just look at the stars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they would like look at the star. I mean, it just wasn't like a big thing. They were like, yeah, we because they didn't try and confuse and like intermingle philosophy and religion with it. They just like saw what they saw and then they were like, yeah, that's that's what's going on. Okay, cool. Let's like go be epic now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Greece, there is this this dude named Aristarchus of Samos. Mm-hmm. Or I guess in Samos. I guess in Samos. Um, I guess it was in Samos and not Greece because he was of Samos. But Mm -hmm. uh, he came up with a heliocentric model, and then a lot of the Greek philosophers were like, "Yeah, about that though. We we like to be like the center of attention, so it's probably the Earth." So Aristotle was against it. Yeah, Aristotle was like, "I'm the better one with the AR name." Made a bunch of shit up. Um, Yeah. Well, because I love philosophy, mm-hmm. but when it comes to science, philosophy and science aren't, they're not friends, really. But they were back then. Natural philosophy was what science was called. But right? science would have progressed so much more if it wasn't for, like, people, like, like getting thoughtful really about it. beliefs. Yeah. yeah, because it's, like... Who cares why? Like, if you have the right answer, then it's right and, like, just shut up, you know? That's what I would say when I cheated on all my math tests. I'd be like, I don't have to show my work. I don't have to tell you how I felt. So, by the way, the reason that all these ancient civilizations cared a lot about the position of the stars and planets was navigation. So the calendar was, like, a nice thing to have, and they, like, did, like, track because the seasons were important. But it really mattered if you go out on a ship in the ocean and you haven't yet invented the compass, you are totally screwed, right, once you get out of sight of land. Because, yes. like, how do you know where anything is? So uh, being able to navigate by the stars is super important, so they looked at the stars a lot. And seafaring civilizations go back, <laughs> like, 20,000, 50,000 years. Humans have been in boats going around. You're obsessed with seafaring civilizations. Very important. <laughs> I love that. But so the, right, even, you know, as far back as the Mayans or the Greeks and even, like, pre them like Babylonians or whatever, they noticed that there were stars that kind of looked the same night after night. And then there were other things that looked like stars that moved a lot relative to like their position in the sky. And then there was the sun and the moon, obviously. Yes. And there was the, the harmony of the spheres. That was like a popular theory. What's that? That, that, that the earth was a sphere and that like a like a semicircle and there were like domes around it. It was like a big planetarium, but like everything was doming. It was like a I imagine it like a the set on a a play with with interchanging scenes. Yeah, like a Truman show type thing. Yeah, the sky yeah, is yeah. a dome. But it is, yeah. it is it is like I guess interesting, I don't know, or just very sad that there's still, like, people who are, like, believed in a flat Earth because, like, the Greeks figured out that, like, the Earth wasn't flat by looking at uh, shadows of, like, a stick versus, like, the sun. This is, like, a thing they figured out in, like, 400 BC or something. 
yeah. that the earth was round. And they really liked it because it's a very elegant conception that the earth is a sphere. Ain't she pretty? Ain't she cute? Is she cute like that with her contour? Yeah, they were like, oh, it's like a raindrop. It makes sense. Yeah. So there was there was this uh, this Greek astronomer and mathematician named Claudius Ptolemy. Mm-hmm. Basically, everyone was named Ptolemy back then. There was Egyptian Ptolemies, but this was a Greek Ptolemy. There were two Ptolemies? There were like eight Ptolemies. Okay. There were so many Ptolemies. Ptolemy starts with a P. For those who are listening. Ptolemy. Ptolemy. <laughs> like, yeah, like pterodactyl. Pterodactyl and Ptolemy. They lived at the same time on the flat earth. Uh, so this was, eight, it was 90 to 168 AD. Ptolemy sets up a model of the solar system, which the sun, the stars, and other planets revolve around the earth. This is known as the Ptolemaic system, and it remained in place for hundreds of years, though it turned out to be flat wrong. Hey. According to NASA, Ptolemy represents the epitome of knowledge of Grecian astronomy. Mm-hmm. So there was, yeah, and there were like the Sufi guy uh, known as Azophi as mm-hmm. to Westerners made the first observations of a group of stars outside of the Milky Way and the Andromeda galaxy. You're so, saying that Aristarchus was like 300 years before and he was actually right. He was right. He, But he was he was like a little bit quiet. He was like a quiet boy. So he was like, he was like, hey, you guys, like, you know, maybe maybe stuff is different. And people were like, Shh. No, listen to Aristarchus. You got to sell your ideas. Yes, which we're going to, yeah. history repeats. If you can't give a good PowerPoint presentation, no one's going to pay attention to you. Yeah, okay. it's true. True that. Oh, yeah. So there comes this time, it, like the Renaissance and like the pre-Renaissance, mm-hmm. where people are like those Greeks, though. We really like them and everything that they, everything that like the good, the good Christian ones uh-huh. <laughs> said is correct. And uh, anyone who kind of goes against them will be burned and die. Oh, now you're getting, you're talking about like the Inquisition. Well, a little before the like it did like tiny bit before the Inquisition, but okay. st- uh, hints of the Inquisition. Okay, the Catholics got real strict. About Catholics got strict, believe. but they also really loved a lot of the ancient Greek philosophies the, that supported the scripture. Yeah, they just liked the parts that that supported like the Bible, and they they got but real. They really like the other clung on. To this, everything revolves around the earth because the earth is God. And, you know, that's like a little bit in the Bible. It's like not even really in the Bible, but it's like a little bit. And they they were like, yes, the Greeks support this. I think they in the Bible they reference like the inconstant, like unchanging nature of the heavens is like yeah. a throwaway line somewhere in the scripture. And that became like, they're like, oh, well, that means that like, the stars have to be like on a sphere that just rotates. They can't move relative to each other because then they wouldn't be constant. In a constant yeah, position. and and God will smite us. Well, down. obviously, if you like look at the sky and take careful observations, then like clearly it is changing. They weren't really doing that so so much. Well, they knew like planets were orbiting, right? And they had all the retrograde cycles and stuff. They and did astrology, and they had the they had this. They were using the jewel the. The Julius calendar, the Julian calendar, the Julian calendar, calendar. which was Julius Caesar's calendar named after named after the month he was killed in, Mm -hmm. which is July. Uh, 
and his name. That calendar was a geocentric calendar. And it predicted or it, it had the math of it was that a day they, they had the, the, um, the length of a day pretty co- correct, but not quite. And over the years, that little not quiteness added up to kind of a lot of not quiteness. So Easter started to end up in a different month. And this really freaked out the Catholic Church. And they were like, okay. Wait, so can we kind of go into the details of the specific difference or do we not care about that? I mean, you just you could just like minor specific, interesting specific. The the Romans, like Julius, the Julian calendar did have uh, leap years. Like they realized that if a year was a little less than three hundred sixty-five days, they had leap years. But what didn't they they have? But it's uh, leap years. You actually don't leap the year like every two hundred years, and I think it's every like eight hundred years you do. It's a there's it's like much more like subtle over yeah. hundreds of years. And it turns out you have to do that. Because and so they weren't doing that. But also it was really it really came down to the the fact that their length of a day was slightly effed up and that added up like so it was those two main issues. Yeah, the average year was like 10 minutes short. Yeah. And then that 10 minutes adds up when you do the math and by the 16th century, (laughs) that was beginning to be a problem because Jesus's birthday was moving farther away. So 1500, what, I guess Caesar was 200? Yeah. Yeah. So, or no, he was like 60, 80. Whatever. A long time later. So 1600 years later, they're like, man, we're really losing some days. They're like, Easter's getting farther and farther away and we don't know what to do. So Easter had moved into February by that point. Yeah, they're yeah. like, it can't be at the same time as Valentine's because we have to sell the hearts and then the eggs and it's fucking up our Hallmark. That's so funny. I bet people were like, oh, the, the stupid like drugstores change the displays like immediately after one holiday, they change it to the next. And yeah. Like, like, well, Easter is like three days from now. So yeah, it was it was bad. And they're like, how can baby chicks be born? It's the middle of the winter. Okay. So they were getting a little freaked out. But they were like, but it can't have to do with like the earth and the rotations because the, because that's in the Bible. And, you know, but they were like, we we need to have a meeting like the 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 popes and the mm-hmm. something and the cardinals. Bad. They were like, we all need to have a calendar meeting and discuss what to do and discuss math. And around the same time, there was this super boring, uh, very scaredy cat, very good, very good Catholic boy named Cap- Nicola- Nicolas Copernicus. <laughs> okay. I've heard of him. Um, so he was around 1473 to 1543. That's mm-hmm. when he, that's when he lived. So what, what did Copernicus get up to? So Copernicus, all these, all these astronomy boys were supposed to be other things, by the way. So I think he was... He was supposed to be a lawyer, but he just loved math so much. He loved, he loved math, and well, you couldn't really make a living as an astronomer, right? You you don't no. have, like you needed maybe some like royalty to like pay for you to be their court astronomer, so you'll name stuff after. Lucky them. him! Yeah, he became a royal astronomer, and uh, okay. but he yeah he he 
he figured out, he did, you know, some equations, he did some math that was that was complicated, and he figured out okay. <laughs> that the Earth probably revolved around the sun. But when he did figure that out, he was very scared because it he was like he was like, let me double and tri- triple and quadruple check this because I really hope it's not right. Because if it is, I'm screwed as a Catholic boy. And they're, you know, I'm going to be a heretic. Because if, it, if the solar system was just the sun and the earth, by the way, and like the moon, which orbits the earth, that would be fine. You actually could like envision it as just the sun rotating around the earth because you're basically in physics. It's the idea of a rotating frame of reference. Just yeah. the earth becomes your your steady point and the sun rotates. But once you introduce other planets, if they're not all rotating around the sun, the other planets move really weird compared to Earth. And this actually is where a ton of astrology comes from. Because when you hear Mercury in retrograde, what that actually means is from the point of view of the Earth, Mercury is moving backwards. It's it, Whereas all the planets do actually go the same direction around the sun. Is um, this where uh, parallaxes? Para... That's a little bit different. Parallax stars. Is Parallax stars. Because that was another issue that, that that certain people were noticing and they were like, but what about, they were like, I have a question, mm-hmm. but why, do you want to explain? What? Parallaxes. Parallax? Yeah. So, right, parallax is when you see two objects that are far away, but one is a little like bit closer. Because we in space, but I'm a little closer. Yeah. So a, a great example is when you're in a car and you look out the window and mm-hmm. you see like, a fence post on the side of the road versus like a mountain in the background, they appear to be moving relative to each other as you move, as you move past them. True that. They like, you pass one and they, it looks like they're moving at different speeds, but it's because your vision of them is changing. Stars do that. So close stars versus like very far away stars as the earth moves, um, you expect your like, your vision of them to shift a little bit. Um, And so you don't actually see it with far away stars because they are way too far away for that to matter. But it does matter as far as like stuff within uh, the solar system is concerned. So that was like another like problem with the model, with the geocentric model. So Copernicus is invited to come to the calendar meeting of the Pope and <laughs> yeah. the Cardinals, and he's like, "Okay, I'll go. Call I'll it go. Like a conclave. I'll go." The calendar. But- the calendar meeting. Yeah. They had it, you know what? They put it, they all put it in their calendars. Mm-hmm. And uh, they all showed up except for Nicolas Copernicus because he was a pussy. He was, yeah, he's a very, very similar to like. To be fair, he did not want to get burned at the stake or like put on house arrest for the rest of his life. So he was very careful. He was like, I don't, he he, like, I feel weird. I don't. I don't like, think I, don't really I can want to do it. Tell these guys something that's going to make them unhappy when and they can like, just I, like, excommunicate. I don't me think it's a good idea me. for me to like come into the into like the city today because I'm feeling weird because I haven't ridden the trains in a while and I don't know if they're safe. <laughs> oh, I get your, I get what you're. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 very similar to. It's very similar to certain. It's very topical. It's a very topical topic. Uh, yeah, Copernicus. He was he was a he was a bit of a pussy. All right, stop harping on him. You're like this five minutes. You've been talking well, trash he, about Copernicus. All right, okay. so he didn't. He wouldn't publish. He wouldn't go to the calendar meeting. Beliefs. He wouldn't publish his beliefs. He did have this. He did have this friend, who was kind of editing his papers, and 
sort of like taking notes for him, kind of like his intern. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a like a sort of urban legend that so Copernicus had a yeah, I think he had a stroke and he was in a coma. And then this intern comes comes up and and is like, look, I've published, I've published your manuscript. And then Copernicus looks at it and just like dies. <laughs> like he wakes up, looks at it, and he's like, oh crap, and just like dies right after that. Um, it's it it is also interesting that he referenced in earlier copies of this manuscript. He referenced. He referenced that original guy, Aristarchus, and then in the final copy, that that name was taken out. And a lot of people think it was because if anyone knew that a Greek dude supported this, it would start to be taken more seriously. And uh, people didn't want that at the time. Yeah, this was also during the time of the Protestant Reformation, too. So the yes. Catholics were very on edge about things that might overturn scripture. Um, yeah. Because the Protestants were very much like kind of reinterpreting the scripture, for example, differently than the Catholics. Yeah. And the Catholics were they were afraid that if you that if you pointed out any holes in their scripture, someone would just be like, why don't we just rewrite the whole damn thing? Why don't we just all become Protestants? Yeah. Why don't we kill the Pope? So a lot of a lot of the following guys had trouble with this. So let's uh, let's rattle off a couple. So, so people did, they picked up like Copernicus's vibe though. Other like later astronomers knew about Copernicus's yes. like theories. So the, it did like get out, even it, though the Catholic Church like suppressed. Well, a lot of it. it got out, and they didn't actually suppress his stuff so 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 much because he kind of put it out as like, wouldn't it be funny? Okay. You know, he didn't. He never said like for sure for serious. He was just like, here's some stuff you can look at it or not or whatever. It's cute. But he was like. Feeling cute might delete later, and I'm dead. Like, that was basically, like, his vibe. Yeah. He was, like, a... uh, It was, like, in his story, but not in his grid, if you know what I'm saying. So, anyway. There was, uh... Then this guy named Tuco Brahi, who I think is my favorite one. It's spelled Tycho. It's spelled Tycho. Like, the electronic... The chill wave electronic artist Tycho. Tycho, yeah. But Tuco Tuco. is how it's pronounced. Tuco Brahe, what's up, Brahe? So Tuco Brahe was also very careful with his observations. He didn't didn't come right out. No, he didn't... I love how it's, like, coming... You're like, I'm gonna gonna come out as, like... come out as saying the sun is the center of the solar system. Oh, girl, I got some hot tea. Yeah. No, he didn't. He didn't come out. Well, he I like him, though, because straight off the bat, he's like way more cocky and confident. This might have been because he was rich AF, like super rich. How rich was he? He was so rich. He didn't have to like do any of this stuff. Did he have extravagant pets? Was he that level of rich? He did. He had a pet moose (laughs) and his pet moose loved to drink. Tuco Brahe had a pet moose. He had a pet moose because he he was a Danish. He was a Danish. Yeah. A Danish duke. <laughs> I don't know if he was a duke, but it sounds cool. It's a cool Danish thing. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he yeah. got his moose drunk and uh, his moose died one day because it climbed up some stairs and then fell down the stairs. <laughs> That's sad. So he was that rich. Like he was that dude. Mm-hmm. He was that brahe. 
Imagine how wide your stairs have to be if you're gonna have a right. Climbing he, up and he, up. Yeah, That's and his moose, be a grand he was like, staircase, he really. he died like he lived, <laughs> drunk, <laughs> drunk and falling down the stairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Or though maybe maybe someone was like in the way and the moose the moose was like move. He was like move over. Mm-hmm. But uh, Tycho observed a solar eclipse when he was fourteen. But the solar eclipse was predicted, but it was one day late. Mm-hmm. And Tuco, I'm just going to alternate with the pronunciations. Uh, Tuco was real pissed, and he was like, I could do better than that. Oh, I just remember that Woody Allen bit where he's like, the moose, the moose starts to mingle. The moose, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what was happening with this, with this bro. Oh, that joke was based on Ty- Tycho Brahe. Tycho. Tycho Tuco. Okay. Tycho Tuco Brahe. So then, um, he starts to observe. He's like, I'm going to observe Mars, and I'm going to predict everything way better, and I'm going to be the best, and I'm only 14 years old. So he became a real astronomer. He had students, <laughs> became a teacher, observed Mars very carefully. He was like, I got my eye on you, Mars. I see you, bro. Brahe. <laughs> yeah, because Mars is a very, like, a... They knew that the planets were different, and they also had, by this time, they developed telescopes. So they, like, planets look different than stars in telescopes. Stars still look like a little twinkle, whereas a planet looks like a disk. He was, oh, okay, so he was, right, he was just, he was, like, a little bit older than Galileo, who we'll talk about, mm-hmm. and but his time overlapped. So in his, like, later life, they they had, they had telescopes, but in his earlier life, they had binoculars, which they were using. A lot. So he was, like, doing binocular things, which I guess worked fine. Just to clarify. Yeah, you, you, can look at, you can look at space with binoculars. It's like two telescopes <laughs> in one. And you can go to the opera. It's great. It's fantastic. He also came up with his own system, you know, because there was the Copernican system, and then he came up with the two. The Tuchoian system or something like that. So the Bra- with the, the Brahian. The mixed uh, geocentric system. Because so once again, tiptoeing around the Catholics, you couldn't just say the sun was at the center of the solar system. Even that was like the obvious solution to all these like issues with like trying to track planets. Uh, instead, what he, what he proposed, he was like, okay, the Earth is still the center of the universe. The sun orbits the Earth. But all the other planets orbit the sun. So at least their movement makes sense. And I can just plot it as a simple, like, ellipse. Yeah. Uh, Tuco didn't go that far. He didn't figure out it was an ellipse. But Tuco was like, they orbit the sun because otherwise I can't explain any of this crap that, like, we keep saying. Yeah, yeah. But maybe Earth is just stationary. And that's, like, Earth is at the center. Yeah. So he, I love how he's like, he's like, don't worry, don't worry. Earth is still still. Earth is still. But, but, hear me out. Hear me out. It's okay. It's all right. We don't have to get worked out. That's kind of, that was his, that was his vibe. They also, at the time, like, they didn't know what planets or stars were made of, too, right? So they thought, they're like, well, they're in the air. They must be Love. very light. And whereas Earth is this big, solid, rocky thing. So surely, like, this thing we're standing on can't be flying can't. through space. This I mean, has to be the center. Yeah. And that stuff is probably made of ether or air or, like, light. One of the elementals. And so it's, so it's like, know. it's fine that, like, that stuff's moving around really fast. Yeah, and they were like, if... If Earth was moving, then we would know. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's true. That actually we would is feel one it. of Galileo's theories, which we'll get to. Then there was this dude named Kepler, Johannes Kepler. Mm-hmm. And, and 
he, oh, oh yeah. So Brahe dies because he won't pee. That's legit like why he dies. He okay. Had, because he had a kidney stone, I think. So he was like so, at this dinner that weird. lasted for two. It's weird to attribute it to him being stubborn. I, don't think I think he was. He had a moose, and he he, he fed it alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> they both died from drinking too much. Huh. <laughs> Except he died because he wouldn't pee. And uh, right before he died, he was like, "Johannes, here's my notes. You can have them. I love you, bro." And he gave it to him. That's not. That's kind of a romanticized version. Yeah, exactly I'm a romantic. Right. But Kepler was studying under Brahe. Yeah. But uh, and Kepler wanted to continue Brahe's studies, and and Brahe had taken these like years and His years of detailed notes of Mars and the movement. And so Kepler was like, "I want to calculate what the orbit is because I don't think it's a circle. That doesn't make sense with what we're seeing." And it actually took Kepler two years to get a hold of Brahe's notes because Brahe's like. His papers went to his, like, children, his executors of his will. And Kepler had to, like, even back then, like, property rights and copyright was a big thing. So Kepler had to, like, negotiate getting a hold of the notes. But then he did. Yes. And then he spent two years doing the math. The maths. He tried over 40 different <laughs> equations to fit the observations to some kind of orbit that would make sense of, like, how Mars was moving. And then the end, the answer as we all know today, is an ellipse. The planets <gasps> move in an ellipse with the sun at one focus of the ellipse. And he didn't try it at first because he thought it was too simple. And surely like some previous astronomer would have already tried that because it seemed like such an obvious solution. And he also was a little afraid because he was like, he was like, they gonna get me. The Catholic Church is gonna be real mad. So him and his wife, Barbara, they, uh, they had code, they talked in codes. They like, they like passed each other notes with like emojis and whatnot. They were mm. like up arrow, Saturn, smiley face, down arrow, heart, mm. wrapped gift, gun, yeah, panda. But eventually everybody found out what <laughs> Tesla was writing. Or sorry, not uh, <laughs> what Tesla. Yeah, Kessler. they never Kessler. found out what he was writing. What Kepler was writing. And then uh, he has a supernova named after him. He so. does. Kepler's supernova appeared in the sky in uh, the like early 1600s. And so Kepler observed it is why it was named after him. But who else saw it? Galileo Galilei. <laughs> Galileo Galileo. So Galileo. Also, he... also not originally meant to be an astronomer. He was right. He was he was born to a, a lutenist. A lutist? A lutist, his, someone who liked to lute. His dad was a guitarist. <laughs> his dad was a, a lute star. And uh, he originally was trained on the lute. He was and an excellent lute? lute player. Yeah. But then uh, he also, I think, was going to study to become a doctor. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. But then he loved math, and he kept sneaking out of his doctor classes to go to math rallies where they were just like two and plus sign and minus and equals. And he was like, oh my God, I love it. And he was like putting his lighter up, his candle, his candle up and whatnot. And he just loved the math. And he was like, I just love doing math. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just love it. And, uh, and he, you know, he made some, he made some observations. He didn't become an astronomer until like a bit later in his life, really until 
he got into telescopes and binoculars. And it's he was in his forties. Yeah, and he lived like he lived a while. He but, lived from 1564 to 1642, which is like, yeah. what? So early in his life, he was, he, yeah, he, he invented a, a new type of scale, basically, a new hydrostatic balance, it was called, like, yeah. in his 20s. So he's inventing scientific equipment, studying gravity by dropping different weights Off inside. the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Yeah. Yeah, inside, yeah, off the Leaning Tower of Pisa and, and realizing that, like, objects accelerate at the same rate. Yeah, he's like, my friend is just as pissed at me because I've dropped two things on him. Regardless of how heavy they are. Because back then they thought that heavy things fell faster. And he's like, no, but I'm, oh, yeah, there was like a Greek text that talked, I think Aristotle was like, when when there's hail, the heavier hails hail first. And he and Galileo was like, you wrong, bitch. <laughs> I'm doing this right now. I'm watching a hailstorm and you wrong. You wrong. Yeah. Um, but he got like super obsessed with, with, uh, telescopes and he made, so there was, there were telescopes outside of the area that he was in and he, uh, he was like, I can make those. And he just, he kind of like looked at one and he figured out how to make one that was like 20 times stronger than the, the current ones. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, he was in Florence, yeah. Yeah. So and he, it, he made yeah. that a telescope. Italians at that time were very insular, so they were like, an Italian-made telescope? They're like, we want to keep it in Italy. So they were The Italians were leaders at uh, glass blowing too. And yep. like forming glass, right? So like Murano glass is still regarded as like the finest, some of the finest glass in the world, which they make near Venice. He got black market glass. He was like, he was like, shh, don't tell nobody. And he took it and he grinded it. He grinded his glass and he made some cool telescopes. And he saw a lot of really crazy things. He discovered the four primary moons of Jupiter, the rings of Saturn. By the uh, way, this is all... The Milky Way. It's cool that he could do all this stuff just because he had better equipment than everyone. That was like the big difference. Yeah. Right? I think like it's probably likely that like Kepler was smarter because he was like doing all this stuff based in math and like based on theory. Newton was certainly like way smarter. Newton came later, but like Galileo just had better tools. He he was a better engineer, yeah. made better equipment. So he was he curious, all sir. This stuff. He was, he was like, wow, 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 so cool. Yeah, he, he observed the first love- moons of other planets, which like no one believed him at first. They were like, there is no way that there are like planets orbiting another, or moons orbiting another planet. That can't be, the earth is the center of the universe. And he was like, check it out. Here's a telescope. Like, take a look at this. He also, he had, so there were, there were a couple popes, <laughs> a couple popes that he got in trouble with. Uh, and there were a couple cardinals that he, they think, yeah, there's Cardinal uh, Bellarmine, who was kind of like his boy. He was friends with the local cardinal. Yeah. They were buddies. And they he, were buddies. And he they, dedicated, uh, like, several of his, like, tracks, his, like, writings or letters or papers to, to this cardinal. Yeah. So he was, like, in the glory of this, like, of the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. I have seen a moon around Jupiter. Yeah. And, he, uh, you know, he would sort of ask, he'd be, like, ask the cardinal, he'd be like, do you think it would be okay if I, like, said this? Will I die? And this was, like, the heat of the the Reformation. Like, this was, like... Lutheran stuff was going down and like witch hunt and the plague. It was just like a whole slew of things. So, you know, uh, 
Gal Galileo was grinding glass and he was walking, he was, he was walking on, on eggshells. And, um, there, yeah, there became a problem because the Pope did not, the, the Pope didn't want him, Pope, Pope Urban, I believe, did not, did not want him. Not Pope Urban. Not Pope Urban. It was Pope before Urban. Yes. It's like Galileo was like treading very close to like the, and Galileo just came out and was he like, was like sun center of the universe too, by the way. Also, that was the major observation. Yeah. Of this. In addition to like, he saw Saturn's rings, then Saturn rotated and he couldn't see the rings because they were horizontal. And then a couple years later, he saw them again. He was like, what is going on? He's Saturn like, oh remained a mystery. He also saw the phases of Venus. So much like our moon has different phases Venus does too. Which means if Venus has phases, then it has what does to be, that mean? Yes. Then Venus must be. <laughs> not only does Venus have to be rotating around the sun for it to have phases, but Earth has to also, if Earth from Earth you're able to see all the phases of Venus. If Earth was in the center, then like you would only see two of the phases of Venus. So yeah. he, he saw that, yeah. which he was like, oh, the sun's probably the center of the universe. And then he had a real dumbass theory, which was wrong where he thought the tides were caused by the Earth moving around, which is totally wrong. They're caused by the moon. And everybody actually knew this. People have known this for yeah. a very long time, that the tides correspond to the moon. Whatever. So, Whatever. so that was his big yeah. argument. The, so, the, so the Pope, yeah. the, this like, this Pope like six, six this or something. I don't know, the six yeah, Pope. Yeah, sixes. Sixes, sixes. He was, he was like, you getting hot. You getting real hot. And you're like, you are cool getting your, Cool hot. your jets, boy. Cool. <laughs> they were like, he was like, shh, 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 Let's, you know, and Galileo was like, look, I don't want to combine this with scripture. I just want to like add stuff and measure things and just say the truth. And I love Jesus and I love Catholicism and like, I am not against it, but can't they be separate? And I want to say the truth. And the they, there let, was they a, let them off the hook. Well, kind they of. kind of did because there was like, they didn't have a photocopier at the time. Mm. So there was one thing that the papacy got that was like, Galileo could never say any of these things again. And then there was like a school note that Galileo got that was like, you can say this, but you just can't say it's like a fact. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, there was that, and then there comes... So then Bellarmine, who was Galileo's boy, becomes Pope, and now he's no. Pope Urban. Yeah. Really? It was a couple years later. Oh, okay. And Galileo's cool with Pope Urban, and Pope Urban is like, you know, you can, like, write about the, like, your heliocentric view. You should write it as a dialogue, maybe, a Socratic dialogue, and give equal weight to the geocentric <laughs> and the heliocentric. Don't come down on either side. And Urban was like, he's like, we're boys. We go back a ways. I am very, like, geocentric. That's what the Catholics say. That's scripture. You you see some, like, evidence for heliocentric. Go ahead and write a dialogue. That should be fun. Yeah. And then what uh, So Galileo publishes, or, you know, he's got this book, and it's it's his dialogue. It's on the two and, systems of the world. Yeah. Right. And it's, like, between, like... It's between like smartius maximus and like dummius assius, and yeah. you can all guess which one the but Pope is. <laughs> the name of the geocentric guy who clearly is the Pope it's is like Simplicio. Sim Simplicio. Which, Simplicio, which in Italian just means simpleton, dumbass, <laughs> right? So the Pope is like, "Ooh, girl, 
Oh, I I used to like you, but now I don't like you, and you gonna die. <laughs> so there's all these trials, um, you know. There's all this like back and forth kind of stuff. But basically, basically Galileo has to. Oh, he like kind of like gets the plague and is like dying, and uh, so they don't. You know, they don't really like torture him, but they kind of he avoided corp. Corporal punishment because they said he was suspected of high heresy, but not convicted of it. <laughs> They're like, we think that you thought bad yeah. thoughts. He recanted everything that he had said. Um, some scholars now feel that like the whole dialogue thing was actually a setup. And they were like trying to get him in trouble um, by suggesting yeah. that he write it. But no one knows for sure because like they're all such catty bitches. And like you can never tell with the letters like the Pope. Yeah, like. So yeah, so he he was on house arrest for the rest of his life. He wrote up some more papers based on studies he'd done a long time about before. magnets, which I just materials. I love it. I love it. He's like, I just I just want to write about science. I just want to. I need to. I need to. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna write about magnets. I'm gonna I'm gonna measure magnets. Yeah. So um, let's see. Well, we can we can blow through a couple of these these boys. We'll we'll make a couple little pit stops. Right <laughs> in the history, of and uh, we're gonna we're gonna catch ourselves up real quick to we're gonna we're gonna sort of warp speed. We're gonna get from the early 1600s to the, to space, race the space race in like ten minutes, and then and we have a guest joining. We have us, a guest who I saw. I saw his yeah. Job. So so uh, uh, so we got Giovanni Cassini measured how long it took the planets Jupiter and Mars to rotate. He discovered the four moons of Saturn, the gap in the planet's rings. Then there was Christian Huygens, proposed the earliest theory about the nature of light. So there's lots of spacecraft named after these yes. people, like Cassini spacecraft. And moons, and moons, like Saturn's moons. One real quick thing Galileo did that was very cool that we forgot that I have to mention. He... At one point, uh, said he used Dante's Inferno to like say how tall Satan was, which I think is cool. That was just when I was reading about these measurements, I was like, "Oh, we have to mention that." It's really okay. wild, yeah. How good like people are, just humans in general, compartmentalizing like the things they know have no idea about versus like stuff they're pretty sure of. So he's like, he was like, "Well, Dante said like, this. He was as tall as this." Today so I'm now- like calculating the height of Satan, and then uh, let's go uh, study those moons of Saturn. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go out to the terrace. <laughs> and then there's Sir Isaac Newton, uh, famous for the disgusting cookie that is named after him. So Newton can't be passed over quickly. I have to, we have to stop on Newton for a minute because stir, Newton, stir. Uh, in addition to being an astronomer, was like kind of the the right the father of well invented calculus. Father of dads invented calculus at the same time as Leibniz, but also is kind of the father of modern like mathematics and mechanical physics and so describing the the natural world through some basic physical properties like he came up with and newton like realizing that like gravity on earth behaves the same as gravity for the planets that it's this universal force was Mm -hmm. newton and he discovered this by throwing apples off the earth well so it also made a lot of people much happier, I guess, with like the state of knowledge, uh, human knowledge of the universe. Because prior to Newton, post Galileo, everybody kind of had to adapt the heliocentric model after that. Like the sun is the center of the universe, the planets are moving around it. They had no idea why they were moving, right? They're like, 
what's pushing the planets? What, what like, are they in a hurry for? Yeah, and if the Earth is moving around the sun, this giant rock I'm on, like, what's pushing that? And so there were, like, theories about the ether. They didn't, like, get it, really. So Newton, by, by theorizing everything in terms of, like, force, right, and, like, yeah. objects moving in a predictable way, he was like, no, the laws that God set up are, like, what's creating the motion. It's still this, like, it's like a clock, right? There's, like, a clockmaker who... God's clock. clock. And it's, like, running. It's God's clock. And then... Yeah, cool name, Metal Band. God's clock! But, yeah. But uh, it, it really did make everyone much happier, and the church embraced Newton, like, in part because of this. He had it. He, like, brought harmony back to, like, the observations. He said, let's hug. We yeah. love you. Mwah. Also, he was a little bit crazy, and he was really into some crazy stuff and maybe part of the Illuminati and he like did some crazy alchemy experiments in his spare time. Yeah, as good as they were at astronomy and like mechanical physics back then, they really weren't ready to tackle chemistry yet. There was still a lot we of alchemy ready. going on. Although we're gonna the need a came boat. up with some stuff, but we'll save that for the chemistry episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then there was- Oh, how tall is Satan? How uh, tall is Satan? the viewers is wondering. You did you come across it? Satan is as tall as the Kentucky Derby is long. He is, yeah, there's, I, I found like a bunch of comparisons and I forgot the actual number, but I was, got more into the comparisons of things. So however long the Kentucky. How did he come up with it? Just like the, the different like circles of hell. He figured out how deep they were. No, because there's like references in Dante's Inferno that are like, Satan came up to the nipple of the hell demon monster in the 10th circle. And so he's like, and we know from chapter one that the hell demon monster came up to the eyeball of the frog, you know, and he, okay, he like deducted. I, I regret asking that question. Let's yeah. He, it was all it was all like a weird math, you know, a weird uh, logic problem in in middle school that they where they're like, they're, uh, yeah, yeah. I know the problem. Okay. yeah, you know, you know that you know we all know that problem. That's where they got it from, basically. Right. Anything else we got to mention? Or we there's well, so there's Edmund Haley. Haley, Haley's Comet. There's Charles Meiser, who d had this like crazy ass database of. Object, celestial object. So Haley, by the way, very cool thing he realized, right, is that a comet that came through the, the solar system in, what, 1607 and then, like, 1682 was the same comet, which is a pretty cool thing to guess and be right on. He was like, hi, friend. That's wild. Yeah. Reunion. Like, comet reunion. Haley's reunion. Woo. You can get the sweatshirts at uh, Salvation Army. So there was also William Herschel, who's better known for his boo, Caroline Herschel, who was the first woman to discover a comet. Mm -hmm. And then there was Henrietta Swan, who is one of several women working as a human computer at Harvard College. She identified images of variable stars, and she discovered something known as a Cepheid variable. So it's like she studied the relationship of like the pulsations of stars. She took their pulse and she was like, she was like, my heart beats stars. <laughs> that was, that was her. Then there's Albert Einstein, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We all know about, we all know about him. <laughs> we all know, we all know, about, we know about him. General and special relativity. Our boy with his tongue out doing equations <laughs> e equals MC squared. Right? Mm -hmm. Do you need to say anything more about him? I mean, 
Well, right. Einstein like kind of shattered the prior to him, like the conception that like there are fixed knowable laws and like, I guess, locations and states in the universe. Right. Because uh, relativity kind of says that it actually depends on your frame of observation. And so like the speed of light is the only constant and then everything else is relative to you as an observer, um, which it's right. He like generated testable theories. Yeah. Um, he also discovered an entity or like came up with space time, which I love. Mm. Anything space hyphenated, you know, there's space time. Yeah. Einstein's going to get, we'll do an entire episode. We'll do an Einstein episode. Einstein is incre- especially wild because I believe it's 1909 was, it's known as the golden year or whatever. And Einstein, uh, yeah, I guess it's like just quit his job as a patent clerk and came with basically like wrote four papers in that year that are all Nobel prize worthy that are like all completely changed physics. So in addition to just like, he's yeah, bigger than the universe. In addition to special relativity also did like, uh, he didn't, cause he didn't win a Nobel prize for, for relativity. Actually, he won it for, Gag. um, how how radiation black body radiation it's called like how radiation translates into certain light frequencies uh that's what he wanted for Ooh. and he had two other wild papers that same year. he was wild he, he was, was wild like his hair pretty amazing he was absolutely crazy all right so there's also so the edwin hubble who's like yeah. a telescope dude number two the telescope's named after hubble hubble didn't invent the telescope yeah, and I love it. They're like, he calculated a small blob in the sky that existed outside of the Milky Way. Mm-hmm. The discussions of the size of the universe divided were divided as to whether or not a single galaxy existed. And then after him, they were like, oh, it's probably, it's probably more. But Hub- I love that like everyone who has well, a telescope is like, Milky Way. No, Hubble realized that also that the universe is expanding. Which is a very important. I don't thing like that, to think about that. That Stephen Hawking later added. I don't to. like it. I don't like um, it. I don't want to think about it. It makes me creepy. It okay. Freaks me out. It freaks me out. So that was Hubble's main main realization. <laughs> yeah, I don't like him. <laughs> he can he can be quiet. But the reason that's really relevant is not it's just scary. that it's expanding is because that that informs what actually how did the universe start. I don't like that either. <laughs> I don't like it started. <laughs> cosmology it's, getting it's, scary. Yeah, I like cosmetology. Yeah. I like I like cosmic, but yeah. Whew. Okay. Then there's then there's Frank Drake. The, Frank Drake is cool because Here, let's come back to can we come back to all these? Can we take our guest? Can I can I can, we, can I get us up to the space race? And all then right. we can take our guest because we need to context we need context. Alright, I keep explaining the stuff that they did. I keep going. Frank Drake, <laughs> extraterrestrials. He started the foundation for them. Drake was Drake really was obsessed with aliens. Uh, he loved but aliens. he approached aliens in a mathematical way. So if you ever if you go you guys Wikipedia this, the Drake equation uh, is is sort of the answer to the Fermi paradox. Which I don't know what that is. Because Fermi Fermi was a particle <laughs> physicist, but Fermi posed the oh question boy. if there are a bunch of like habitable Earth like planets and there's aliens out there. Where are they? Why haven't they contacted us? Why haven't because they we yet? are dumb. <laughs> so Drake answered the question. Drake said, well, let's calculate this. Like, first off, you need an Earth-like planet. How many, okay, of, I don't, how ooh, many are, are those? You need a civilization that gets to be, like, he, he but I, I know the space. answer. I don't know the math, but I know the answer. And he's like, because we dumb. What's the probability that civilization exists the same time as our civilization, where they could contact us? Like, also... Who cares? Like, they're, yeah, he's like, also, where, yeah, they don't care about well, us. Well, so if you add up all these factors and you're like, 
but still no one has contacted us, then one or several of the factors in that equation must be close to zero. Yeah, word. And the zero is like our IQ compar- compared to aliens. Is, um, and I love, so he was like too extra for any of like the colleges except for Cornell. And uh, <laughs> so he Cornell, was like there. Where Nabokov taught and also where Thomas Pinchon went. Right. So. They were too extra for all the colleges as well. And you know who else was? Carl Sagan. Mm-hmm. Carl Sagan was like teaching at Harvard and then he was like, I'm a little. I'm a little into aliens, and and they were like, off to Cornell you go, and he Don't was like, think he was British. He, I, I <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was American. <laughs> and they, when he was at Harvard, he was pretending. They were like, that's how he got in. Mm-hmm. They were like, off to Cornell, and he was like, thanks because my daddy mentor alien father is there, mm-hmm. and him and Frank Drake they like rode out on the aliens. Okay, so we, we're now up to the, the 60s and the start of the space race. Yes, we are. So there's a space race that uh, has a lot to do with the Cold War and America and Russia. Can we take our guest? And we can take our guest <laughs> who's going to talk about the space, the space race with us. Someone told us that you have some information on that that you would like to share. I do. I do. So yeah, I've been... I sort of, my, my interests tend to jump around kind of all over the place with history and historical events and, and people specifically. Uh, so there's a dude that I've been researching recently. Uh, his name is Jack Parsons. Uh, now, Jack Parsons was uh, part of um, one of the founding members. Let me just pull up my notes here. Ooh, notes. We love Jack notes. Parsons. I do. Uh, was one of the founding members of Jet Propulsion uh, Laboratory, mm. which uh, NASA uh, gained um, access to and ownership over uh, in 1958, which is the same year that Eisenhower also yes. signed into existence. Yes. Uh, so I believe Eisenhower signed them into existence in July. And yep. Jet Propulsion Laboratory became part of NASA uh, in December of 1958. So Parsons was a bit of an eccentric. He was, for the majority, uh, self-taught as a rocket scientist. Uh, he attended Stanford uh, for a brief period of time, um, but for the most part was self-taught and basically uh, learned rocket science by uh, blowing up buildings. Not intentionally you know, in failed experiments at Caltech. Um, But Parsons was a West Coast native, uh, born in 1914, and um, in Pasadena, California. He grew up pretty affluently. Um, And in 1928, he met this dude named Ed Foreman. And uh, him and Ed Foreman and this other dude, uh, where is his name? Give me a second. Frank Molina. Mm-hmm. So we have Frank Molina, Ed Foreman, and Jack Parsons. And they sort of, uh, together with Frank Molina's graduate advisor, uh, Mr. Theodore Von Karman, they uh, sort of teamed up and uh, used some of the labs at Caltech and started Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Um, now, sort of interestingly... Evidently, they had to use 
the majority of their initial budget to repair the building <laughs> at mm-hmm. Caltech that they had been destroying. Um, interestingly enough, this is not really where Parsons' uh, interest with rocketry came from. He started messing around with rockets when he was only 14 years old. Wow. With Foreman. They were oh. friends in high school, in the uh, at the military high school that they went to. Since actually ended up getting kicked out of because, uh, you know, he was not without a sense of humor. Took some of the, uh, the composite that he was messing with and blew up the school's uh, plumbing. <laughs> L-O-L. That's awesome. <gasps> so around that same time, when Parsons was still a teenager... He also discovered uh, the occult, and he discovered um, Aleister Crowley, specifically, specifically Aleister Crowley's poetry, and um, also um, some other writings like, uh, you know, Arthurian mythology. Um, oh my gosh, yes. And also, uh, specifically, Jules Verne, Jules Verne and stuff like that, which really led him to have an interest in rockets, which he also shared with Foreman. Um, another part of this that I found super interesting uh, was that they weren't really keen on the name rocketry, sort of, you know, in the way that art imitates life, life imitates art. You know, rocketry comes from science fiction. Right. Yeah. That term. Um, so they, you know, sort of started talking about it as jet propulsion instead of rocketry, okay. um, which is really where the name of their laboratory came from as well, um, was Jet Propulsion Laboratory, um, which, like I said before, became part of NASA in 1958. Now, in 1936, there was a fourth member of the team that joined, and I honestly, I don't know how to pronounce this person's name. Uh, he was Chinese, uh, but his name is... is Quian, uh, Q-I-A-N, and his last name is Shushen, maybe? Uh, X-E-U-S-E-N. And he joined the group in 1937. He was a Chinese mathematician. And together, the four of them, Parsons, Molina, Shushen, and um, uh, Foreman, uh, were known as the Suicide Squad. Yes! Caltech, <laughs> mostly because the students at Caltech thought they were doing stuff that was so dangerous that they were going to kill themselves. And, you know, clearly it was dangerous because they were blowing up the buildings, you know, while doing it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly enough, uh, it was reported that during uh, their experiments, uh, the, the launches, all of this stuff, the early days, you know, the late 30s, early 40s, um, Parsons would actually cite... Aleister Crowley's poetry during these launches, which I found super interesting. So they were actually asked to leave Caltech. You know, they didn't want them blowing up their buildings any longer. So they, after that, they went to a place called Arroyo Seco Canyon, which Parsons and Foreman had been familiar with as kids. They had, uh, before they had ever, you know, gotten military funding or gotten governmental funding, Parsons and Foreman used uh, Echo, or excuse me, Arroyo Seco Canyon 
to, uh, you know, do their really amateur experiments with rocketry. <laughs> they went back to Arroyo Seco, and on Halloween day of 1936, at Arroyo Seco Canyon, which is also called Devil's Canyon, because mm-hmm. there's a rock formation uh, that is the uh, looks pretty similar to the head of the devil. Um, they Ooh. had their first liquid-fueled motored rocket test nice. on that day, Halloween 1936, of all days. Um, and so Jet Propulsion Laboratory marks that, Halloween 1936, as their founding event. Um, I'm wondering, you know, I couldn't find anything to say so, but I'm wondering if, you know, during this event, did Parsons, you know, recite Aleister Crowley's poetry or anything like that? Um, so, in, uh, I'm not sure. I don't really know too much about Crowley, um, but I am learning about him as well. Um, and specifically his poetry. I've found examples of his poetry that, that are really interesting. Really yeah. Dope. Yeah, some that, that actually some of it is really dope. That afford like he he was able to travel and and whatnot because because of his poetry and and uh, that was that For was sure. like his ticket around around the globe. For sure, yeah, he's an interesting dude. For sure, he got kicked out of more countries than I've been kicked out of bars. Yep, which is impressive. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, very impressive. So. Um, in 1939, uh, Crowley had already been in the country, I believe. Yeah, but yeah. In 1939, um, there was a, a lodge uh, called the Agape Lodge that Crowley had founded, I believe, somewhere in Pasadena, California. Um, and in 1939, Parsons was taken to a Gnostic Mass at the uh, Agape Lodge. And from that point in time on, he joined. And actually, eventually, I believe somewhere around 1941, he became, um, I'm not sure what the title is, but like the leader of that lodge. So like while the, he was still the working for the organizations that predated NASA and were eventually going to become part of NASA, he was an occultist. You know, he was a devotee to uh, uh, the religion of, of the Lama. I don't know how this worked out, but Parsons actually had extensive communication with Werner von Braun when he was still a teenager. So prior to any of the official stuff, somehow he got in touch over the phone with von Braun when he was in you know Nazi Germany working for the Nazis. Oh, he had wow. extensive communication through the phone. Wow! Yeah, because because Werner was really good at doing the rocket thing, <laughs> so he was like, bro. We both like blowing stuff up. Tell well, there, me how there you was do a this. huge debate about like solid fuel versus liquid fuel rockets too. Which which factored? I mean, that factored a lot into the space race because like the Russians knew. They're like, we know what to do, but we're not going to tell you. <laughs> and the Americans were like, yeah, we they, don't they, know they, what to the do. The Russians beat Americans to launching yeah, yeah. satellites. They put yeah. it yeah <laughs> so so funny. We have a we have a score sheet which I think is it's really funny. It's like. This one, the U.S. The U.S. one. This one, the U.S. has. We, we can, can show it off. Well, well we can. Yeah. Well, it's gonna it's be backwards. Whole, it's a whole list. Well, then they can't read it. But well, we can. We can go. That a we whole can, lunch scoreboard. Yeah. yeah. Yo, if, if you can remember, uh, take a snap of that and send it to me. Sure. Oh, absolutely. What did, uh, 
I was going to ask, so was Parsons then, was he involved in like U.S. like, I guess, like technology development during World War II? He was, he was, yeah. They got, um, I believe, uh, Jet Propulsion Laboratory got a military contract in 1942. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, like right upon entry into the Second World War, they got a military contract. Um, They had their first successful uh, rocket-assisted fixed-wing craft launched in August of 1941. And then immediately following that, Mm -hmm. uh, they were contracted to produce rocket engines for the military. Yeah. I love that. That's like yeah. a great, you know, great resume. They're like, mm, see the proof? Okay. All right. We need a job. <laughs> and so you said sure. you had a project. You you personally have a project that's related, that has to do with space right now or? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, certainly not really, uh, it has to do with uh, one element of it is space. So I have a, um, a show coming up. Ooh. Uh, an open uh, March 26th uh, at Smush Gallery in uh, Jersey City, New Jersey. Uh, it, it's about uh, 23 uh, pieces of visual art uh, that will be displayed uh, in the gallery. But um, I guess one of the characters in the show, it's a, um, so the show is called Exile in Orange, right? Nice. Um, so one of the characters in the show is out space, is space. Mm. Um, the show is very, a lot of the imagery is very, um, oriented around creating my mythology and um the characters whoops the oh. characters sort of um uh, <sighs> a lot of the scenes that are depicted in the paintings uh take place in outer space and i i guess i, I think another if i can just mention one other yeah go for it um i'm sort of uh and i've been looking for a term for this but interestingly enough i have a very big interest in in science fiction and outer space, and uh, the space race, and stuff like that. Um, but I, I'm also more than slightly astrophobic, mm-hmm. so I I can't watch science fiction movies like yeah. without hiding under my couch. Yes. And, uh, I also um, I have a uh, so my mother always retells this story. Um, where uh, I was taken to Space Mountain as a kid. Uh, I think I was around like six or seven years old. And uh, if, if you've ever been to Space Mountain, yep. you know, there's basically two parts of the ride. There's one, there's the roller coaster, and then there's just a tram that sort of goes super slow, like just chill. Yeah. Thing. So she put me on the tram. My mother said by the end of the ride, I was hiding under the seat and they had to literally pry like my hands oh. like off of the actual seat mechanism to get me off the ride. That's how scared I was. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, coming along with like the, uh, the, like the actual. So when, when I do sit down, because I do sort of force myself to watch science fiction movies because I'm. Um, I'm sort of trying to like what what's that type of therapy where you're um, exposure or whatever? Yeah, exposure therapy. Exposure Exposure or, therapy. Yeah. I'm sort of trying to give myself a crash course in exposure therapy. It's not working at all. Mm. Not working at all. Like but I, anyway, so I sort of do have a uh, uh, 
some sort of sensory experience, like when I watch science fiction movies, where if I actually focus on the television or focus on the screen, I can sort of feel myself like levitating towards it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe go outside and watch the actual stars. Yeah. Or (laughs) yeah, I was just saying I don't like thinking. I don't like certain. Yeah, Doctor Wires was like, oh, uh, forget what you said, but a freak. Yeah, it was like, oh, this is always moving or something, and I was like, don't say that. We, I was like, whoop, okay, all right, we're putting that back in the box. Let's, I know it exists, but let's not talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, yeah, it's interesting thing. Have you been to like an observatory to like look at look at a telescope before? I've been to a planetarium before, um, which, yeah, that was not that was not the brightest idea. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I've been to a planetarium. Um, I I, mean, I can't like if a f- image of space comes up on my phone like nine times out of ten I can't I can't look how's, at it. How's how's this right now? Our our back. That's okay. Okay. I think it's mostly because you guys are in front of it, though. Like, if you guys were not in front of it, it would be probably a different story. Oh, okay. So maybe, yeah, you could start out with, like, two people in front, and then you could take away one. You could put, like, a cat. cat Yeah, I love how we both went to cat. (laughs) Or dog. Friendly dog, like Laika. Yeah, friendly dog, right? Yeah, we're going to... Yeah. Um, maybe, Maybe a buttered roll after that. Yep, yep. Maybe, 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 maybe a moon. Um, moon in front of a moon. maybe you know yeah. you can just see what you know you could you could go through the images but um well oh or you could also tune in okay this might be a helpful thing on saturday we're having a space a two thrown by two people space rave with uh with aerial circus acts inspired by space and uh with green screen visuals so there'll be one per or, or real visuals you know uh, so there'll be one person in front of them. If you tune in on uh, Twitch or Instagram, you can see oh, it. Fantastic. You can you can watch us go through space, and maybe maybe uh, maybe it'll help. Oh, I wanted to ask if there were were further Parsons facts that you wanted yeah. to give us. Like once he became, uh, you know, started working for NASA, what else happened? So actually, Parsons did not ever work for NASA. Oh, Parsons Ooh. was expelled from the Suicide Squad, <gasps> expelled from the group in 1944. So prior to NASA ever being signed into existence, oh, wow. Parsons was expelled from the group. But I mean, the work that Par- Parsons did as, he, he was primarily the chemist. Mm-hmm. So the work that he did, I think, is, is partly at least still being used today. So uh, regardless of whether he was expelled or not, his work was foundational. Yeah. For the group. Uh-huh. Um, but he was expelled because he was actually being investigated by the FBI uh, for quite a few different things. <laughs> They're okay. like, where do we start? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to we're going to go through the space, the space race a little bit. Um, we'll summarize it real quick. We'll summarize it. And you can learn. You can learn a little bit about it. And uh, yeah. And, and you can drop your the information for your show. In the comments, and then we'll put it in our our notes. I yeah, will. and then maybe we'll see you also on Saturday virtually in our 
and our space time lounge. <laughs> I will try to stop by. Cool. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it was good to see you guys. See you, Jason. Yes. Woo! All right, we shall. Let's see if we can. Oh, did, how the room works. How the room works. We don't. We don't know how. To you don't know how to room. leave a room. How do we leave the room? We know how to go. We I, got. I have, problem, I have a problem with that too. Right. I mean. Okay. Yeah. So. Usually, I just make people leave the room, and I stay there. Right. I. Yeah. I don't know how to. How to make you leave the room? <laughs> I don't know if you can leave the room. You can stay. You can stay here while, <laughs> we, stay while, we, while we tell you about things. <laughs> we'll, we'll, well, maybe we'll figure it out. It really is. Yeah. It's like oh, the, okay. I, oh, no. It's like the controls on a The controls a on a real capsule. spaceship. Space, Ca space capsule. capsule. I mean. Well, and it is very similar because the astronauts don't really drive them and get to control anything. Oh, there. So, there, there we go. go. Left yeah. the room. He left the Goodbye, Bubba right. Droll. Shall we shall we for joining us. go through uh Yeah. So the some, some The Space Race space kicks race? off. Right? Rocket space. research continued post World War II, but mostly yes. for weapons, but then out of nowhere. Dun 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 The Soviets launch a satellite. Sputnik one. The first human-made object to orbit the Earth was launched by the USSR. It remained in space until January fourth, nineteen fifty-eight, and it was it was launched on October fourth, nineteen fifty-seven. Yeah. And then Sputnik two, carrying a dog, was launched by the USSR, and yeah, it just a, a month later. Yeah, it remained in. And orbit. who was the dog? The dog was Laika. Laika. Yeah. Oh, a girl. It was a girl dog. Astro dog. She a girl dog? I don't know. She, she a bitch? I actually don't know. <laughs> we don't know. It was, it's, it was in Russian. If anybody ever goes to the Museum of Ancient Technologies. They have her skeleton. They have a, a whole <laughs> gallery of paintings of all the Soviet dogs because there were like like a yeah. dozen of them, like different dogs that went into space. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Museum of Ancient Technology in Los Angeles. Yes. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. So in... So in the U.S. launches a satellite. January 31st, 1958, Explorer 1. The first U.S. satellite in orbit was launched into you space. I know I always am a stickler on the dates, but this is there's too many dates here. So Oh, you don't want me to read? Oh, you don't want date. me to read the dates? Last time no, he was like, I need dates. dates. Now he's like, I don't like dates. So anyway, there's a whole they bunch grossed. of satellites going back and forth through the late 50s, right? Yeah. Wait, one. Uh, Let's just jump to the next like, the only thing. Yeah. You, like, you don't like dates. You like Fig Newtons, but Isaac Newton... Oh, I get it. Get it? Oh, okay. We have jokes. All right. So, yeah. Then there's like another U.S. satellite called just, Vanguard just 1. Just this page. It's all satellites. It's just satellites. It's just satellites. It's back and forth. That's basically, that's basically the, okay, the so, space race. So through the 50s and early 60s. No, then then in, uh, so there's all these satellites going up. And then in 63, the Russians put a man into orbit. They did. They put a man. And then they put a woman yeah. Then they put a woman, you, and the girl. U.S. was like, oh, my God, well, we're so envious. The man was Yuri Gagarin. Um, and he was. And, and actually, it's in early, I think it's April 12th or something. In early April, there's a worldwide celebration of Yuri's Day uh, where everybody celebrates the first man in space, in part because Yuri was uh, really like, he's like a great story of like a uh Kid born in a small town like 100 miles outside Moscow who was obsessed with flying and wanted to be a pilot his whole life. And then kind of like local boy makes good, he became the first cosmonaut. 
Um, and then he became an international hero and traveled even like to the U.S., even though this was at the height of the Cold War uh, and around the world. Fun fact about Yuri Gagarin, he was only five foot two. <gasps> oh, he was a short boy. Yeah, it almost disqualified him from becoming a pilot. But he said no. They're pretty sure that's like the reason he was chosen is because he could fit into the, the Soyuz capsule. Because they're like, you're going to die anyway. It's fine. <laughs> A lot of the test pilots were dying from experimental they flights anyway. They were just anyway. dying. But in the U.S., no one, people, like, they didn't know about that. And they were like, woo, America, Space Mountain. So they're not sure because the records haven't still haven't all been declassified. But they think they were, they called them the lost cosmonauts. They think there were, like, even, Many. like, from the late 50s onward, there were, like, numerous cosmonauts who died while in orbit. Many skeletons in space. Got um, some skeletons in my space closet. So... Yeah, so Yuri Gagarin, uh, yeah, first man in orbit. Uh, Alan Shepard was the first American in orbit just three months later. I love how they're like, let's just circle the Earth like a little bit. Let's just like. Well, Yuri was in, in his his flight was uh, 108 minutes, so almost two hours. And he did like go all the way around the world uh, and then landed in the in the ocean or whatever and like survive. <laughs> Although he actually, he parachuted out of the capsule eight miles up and landed. And so it technically does not count as a full space flight if you don't land with your craft. And the Soviets lied about it until the 70s. Oh, how dare, oh, how dare, how dare. Yeah, so he but, did not complete an actual space so flight. So in, in, in America, like Americans were like, woo, space race. But then like the Cold War started to kind of like die out a little bit and they're like we're not as scared as we were of the russian a little bit a little not bit yet. that's you're jumping ahead that was that wasn't until like post moon landing um it was right before the moon landing because johnson was all about it though he was well like, yes we that's why i'm mentioning it that's why i'm mentioning it because okay. there was kennedy right and then mm -hmm. like right around you know and kennedy was like i are i'm gonna i'm gonna fight the the republicans because they don't care about space and yeah. they, you know, they don't care about nuclear weapons. So there was there was him and people were like, oh, he hot. He's sexy. Like, we on board with his spacecraft. And then These historical inaccuracies are just killing me. Then oh. then he got then he got assassinated. And then right around that time, there was like a space uh, thing that was published. It was a space spacecraft that was it was publicized. It was like on TV. And it like exploded before it took off and people saw that and they were like, oh, people, people might be dying. Like we thought it was all cute and shiny, but people might be dying. And then they were like, and Kennedy's dead and he was the hot one. Um, and they were like, we're not quite, quite, quite as scared of the Russians. And we don't we don't know if we really care so much. But yeah, jo Johnson was like, we ha he was like, I, I am in this to win this. We have to get, we have to do something better than those damn Russians. Well, it's both for national unity, but I disagree. I don't think the space race was winding down. I think it was still going. Uh, it was, the. Down. what I'm saying is the American everyman In particular, didn't because, care as much. because of the Cold War, the whole idea of like space dominance was like the U.S. was terrified of the Russians having they, satellites that would orbit America and be able to drop nukes on us. So it was very much a threat throughout the Cold War. But, like, at, at this point, they were just a little, a wee bit, little bit less scared. And so they were, like, a they were, like, we're kind of, we've been fighting wars. Like, we're a little bit, they're, like, a little bit less. But, yeah, Johnson was, like, it's, it's not about, it's not about the spies and the, you know, he was, like, we just have to do it because we're in it so deep. Um, and then uh, 
we really pulled ahead because we were kind of losing. The U.S. was kind of losing the space race. Then we got our man on the moon. Well, yeah, the I mean, the U.S. definitely wanted a man on the moon. The U.S., they didn't know it at the time because, like, we didn't, we had, like, didn't get good information or intelligence about what the Soviets were up to. But Soviet engineering was terrible still. And, like, despite these, like, the occasional, like, putting a, a, a person in orbit, the Soviets were, like, way behind. And yeah. so there actually was... Uh, prior to the moon landing, which was in 69, in 67, there's this very sad story of a Russian, uh, Dmitry Karamov, uh, who went up in this like very faulty capsule because Leonard Brezhnev, the Soviet premier, really wanted uh, to demonstrate something on the 10-year anniversary of, uh, of Sputnik. And so he was supposed to go up in a capsule and then they would transfer him to another capsule and they'd show that they could do a transit between two spacecraft that were in orbit. Uh, and instead he knew that it was like a faulty design and that there were like major problems with the, with the Soyuz craft that he was supposed to go up in. And then, yeah, he got up into orbit and then the parachutes didn't work and he died. Um, yeah. And like while on the radio, just cursing the engineers who had built this like piece of crap uh, spacecraft. That's so Russian. <laughs> he was like, yeah. Well, and then supposedly he, people kind of asked him, they, because uh, Yuri Yagarin then like was no longer going into space because he was too valuable, but had a lot of political power. And so Yuri Yagarin wrote a letter to Brezhnev to try to convince him like to can't call it off and like don't go, bro, uh, don't go. I love you. And all of the Soviet bureaucrats were too afraid to deliver the letter, so nobody delivered the letter. And like, hmm, sounds a lot like what Brezhnev happened with Galileo with a long time ago. Yeah, it's a sad story, and that like. <laughs> You gotta yeah. you gotta get two copies of the letter. You gotta bring yourself. Well, then Karmarov even apparently was asked. Yuri, I think, asked him was still, I guess, the backup or something. For some reason, like Yuri Gagarin would have been the cosmonaut who went if uh, Karmarov didn't go on that. I think they were trip. in love. I think that's what happened. It's they a very loved sad each story. Other. So anyway, then '69, the the moon landing happens. Prior to the moon landing, though. The U.S. announces the Apollo program because Johnson wants yeah. to reinvigorate the space race. Because there was like other ones, like there was like Gemini, the best one. What was I, the Gemini program? I don't know. I'm a Gemini though, so it was like obviously you the know best your one. Own program. The Apollo program was for the moon landing though. There was also so, Venus, I think, and you know. Yeah. So the the Apollo Seven were seven uh, experimental test pilots who were chosen. Johnson insisted. Uh, on having pilots, even though the pilots on spacecraft don't fly them. Uh, it's all yeah. automated or controlled from the ground. But And so the you know NASA was like, we could have technicians who know how to fix the thing. Like, they could go up. And Johnson was like, no, I want fighter pilots. I want pilots on my plane, my so, space plane. Yeah, if you go watch the right stuff, uh, a lot of what it delves into, it, it's about the Apollo 7, but really more about sort of the character and kind of insanity of like being a, an experimental test pilot in the 60s because they had yeah. I think their be, total survival rate for like a career as a test pilot is like 50%. They'd be smoking, they'd be smoking on the on the on the the spaceship like Don Draper. <laughs> sure. There is a there is a uh what I guess it's a superstition that Russian cosmonauts still do where they pee on the wheels of the bus that takes them to the landing pad. They like turn around and like piss on it because that's what Yuri did. Uh, yeah, he had a great name for that too. He, he urinated. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so yeah, we'll give a 
was not an astronaut, but Chuck Yeager is known as the, regarded as like the greatest pilot ever, who was an experimental test pilot who was not chosen for the Apollo program. But Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong were, and they walked on the moon. They did, and they were so cute. And Stanley Kubrick filmed it in a studio. Yes, he did, and it was all a lie, and it was real. It yeah. was real. Oh, first American in space, I don't know if we said Alan Shepard. By the way, yeah. and Shepard, unlike Yuri, Shepard did pilot his craft. He landed. Ooh, so, burn, burn. Wait, isn't it funny that the Apollo mission is named Apollo, but like Apollo's like the sun, right? Yeah, right. It should have been uh, what Theia is the moon goddess. Is Theia the moon goddess? Isn't Artemis? Oh, it should have oh, been Artemis. Artemis. Yeah, it the Artemis program. goddess of the hunt. Yeah, the moon, the moon goddess. So yeah, that kind of ended the space race, although then the Soviets did create like a space station and then America yeah. joined them after the Cold War ended and we have the International Space we Station. We do, but it's kind of like shitty now because like no one cares anymore. And Russia's like, they're like, fine, we'll let it, we'll let it rust or whatever. And yeah, America, they're like, yeah, it's kind of like if you, if you have like a pet with someone and you guys break up and you're like, you know, I don't know. No one's taking care of the No the one's, ISS. you're like, you don't walk him anymore. And they're like, he can walk himself. You know, that's kind of like what our space station is like. And and China's like, ha, ha, ha. We're, we're already in another galaxy. We're going to, we, we are now the dominant space race. We don't know what they're doing, but they're doing something crazy. Yeah. All right, that was weird. <laughs> Xenophobic pronouncement? No, it's not xenophobic. Uh, it's like pro. They're they're killing it because they're watching. They're like they're silly. They're arguing. We're um, we're gonna win. Yeah, it is also worth mentioning. A buttered roll made the point. He's like that. Uh, like liquid, like jet propulsion is still the technology we use to send the spacecraft into orbit. Um, and it mostly is like like liquid oxygen, and you just ignite it, and we use combustion still to send our rockets up, and so. Lots of scientists proposed, especially post-World War II, like for it's the nuclear age, right? In the 60s and 70s, yeah. making a nuclear-powered uh, spaceship, basically, that would like set off nuclear blasts to like take off. And so like obviously there are problems with fallout and setting off a bunch of nuclear bombs. But Oops. the NASA scientists at the time were like, we could figure it out. Like we could sort this, we can solve we it, we can like collect the fallout. Dude, we got it. Um, and the program was canceled in part because of how unpopular nuclear power was and yeah. became in the 70s. People were like, no. They were like, peace and love. So I think oh. it was Buckminster Fuller was, he has a famous quote. He's like, it's the only technology ever that the humanity chose to like not use because of political reasons, which is completely untrue. Yeah, There's tons of technologies we don't use because of political reasons. Um. So, so like, should we read some of Elon Musk's tweets? Oh, to, like, since we're now, with the, we're now at the present day with, uh, yeah, Elon Musk, uh, future Mars man. Or current, we don't know. Maybe he's there right now. Maybe he's tweeting from Mars. We don't know. Um, we might as well call out the SpaceX. There is a really brilliant innovation behind SpaceX's whole business model, which is PayPal. Lock Lockheed and Boeing used to get all the contracts for doing flights to the space station. Mm. Um, and... SpaceX, all they really realized is they were like, you guys send these booster rockets up and then just let them fall into the ocean. They were like, wouldn't it be cool if you could like send uh, space travel by email? <laughs> like PayPal, get it? Because Elon Musk invented PayPal. You guys do better writing for this show. Yeah. 
I didn't know that he invented PayPal. I was like, I'm like, that's so cool. And now he's trying to do it with There's space. No PayPal. Space Pal. Uh, SpaceX recovers their rocket boosters. That's their, like the big innovation. And it turns out that saves you insane amounts of money rather than just dropping them into the ocean. Oh, yeah, that is really cool. And then it'd be it, like if like every Tesla. time you drove your yeah. car somewhere, you blew up the car, like once you got out of it. That's right? what he says about like people who like... don't drive Teslas. He's like, you're mm -hmm. basically blowing your car up every time you take it somewhere. Yeah. So it's so, quite a different business model. They're doing well. So and now everybody's developing reusable rocket boosters. Let's read. Uh, let's read some tweets of yeah. his. The only, they're great. Yeah. <laughs> So. Here's, here's why having just that great idea for SpaceX doesn't isn't enough to make you a great person. Because if what? you're really active on the internet, you also can sound like a dumbass all the yeah, time. Yeah, I think he sounds pretty smart, though. All right, let's, let's all right, we'll go, go back him. and forth. Ready? Yeah. So, flamethrowers for, and this is in quotations, zombie apocalypse. Okay. So that's one. He did, he did design and sell a flamethrower, by the way. Well, then his Tesla. next tweet is... The rumor that I'm secretly creating a zombie apocalypse to generate demand for flamethrowers is completely false. Nice. He's such a nerd, man. Oh, so he, he posted, why is there no flat Mars society? And the flat Earth society responded. They added him. <laughs> they, they added a boy. Hi, Elon. Thanks for the question. Unlike the Earth, Mars has been observed to be round. We hope you have a fantastic day. I like that they're polite. They're polite, flat dummies. <laughs> mm. The rumor that I'm building a spaceship to get back to my home planet Mars is totally untrue. I'm like, he doth protest too much. Mm. All right. Oh, yeah. So he's replying to himself. There are many chapters of bankruptcy. And as critics so rightly pointed out, Tesla has them all, including chapter 14 and a half, the worst one. <laughs> Te yeah, Tesla never actually went bankrupt, but people thought they were going to. Uh, uh, apparently, there is this thing called dad jokes, and I make them. Oh, cute. He's a dad. That is pretty cute. If this works, I'm treating myself to a volcano lair. It's time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why anybody asked him this. Adelon Musk, any love for ceilings? They tend to look down on floors. And Elon's response is, a ceiling is simply a floor from below. Which I love. That's, yeah, like, like a, that's how he feels about I space. they would delete Twitter. <laughs> a little red wine, a vintage record, some ambient, and magic. I don't know what that's referring to. I don't know. Kinky, but okay. Mm. Um, he does, yeah, he has a Rick and Morty post on there. Of course he loves Rick and yeah. Morty. Yeah, well, someone was like, do you like Rick and Morty? And he said, it's kind of disgusting, but I do let me and my kids like it, which, yeah. yeah. My kids. He has one kid. Yep, that's another right. weird thing he said he on like, Twitter. He's like, one? All right. <laughs> my kids. He just posted, I love Twitter. Ugh. This is a funny one. Somebody is asking about the SpaceX landings where they land the rocket boosters. Is there any reason that most of the landings appear to have been at night so far? And his response is, it's much easier to do the CGI that way. Oh, yeah. This is like, I think we should end. So Insane Clown Posse added him, and they were like, yo, at Elon Musk. Thank you, Ninja. But how about showing our wounded pockets how much you like them somehow? 
They've been wounded since our battle with the FBI. We are open to anything you come up with, my wealthy and powerful friend. Elon Musk just goes, I will buy tons tons of your merch. (laughs) Which, yeah. Oh, I guess, okay, here's the last, the real last one. I don't get it. His name is Gary and he's a snail? Yep, we'll never know. I think that's a SpongeBob quote. Oh, maybe. Maybe he's a big Gary fan. Yeah, I don't know. So, yeah. Stay off Twitter, but definitely on Saturday, definitely 100% for real. <laughs> there is a funny part, by the way, tied into our upcoming DJ night and Elon Musk is that he he wrote uh, an EDM song. And mm-hmm. he like, much like me, he is capable of producing them in, in just a few hours. Which, so yeah, so, Wires is going to be dropping a new maybe EDM song with maybe with Stephen Hawking, maybe not. Mm-hmm. You'll have to tune in to find out. To tune in, you can hear it. Yeah. This Saturday night at 9 p.m. Saturday 9, uh, ES, EST, Eastern Standard Time, Space Time, uh, on twitch.tv slash secret law. That's a good question. What time zone do they use in space? <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Oh, yeah. And then we'll be back next week talking about ballet, I think. Methinks we're going to be talking about ballet. Uh, also, if you're listening to this on iTunes, do do the things. It, just rate it and give it five stars. And if you don't have five stars in your heart for us, then we don't want any of your stars. But don't rate it zero stars. Don't don't. <laughs> we don't want any. We just just five five or goodbye. Yeah. Five or goodbye. Yeah, you could use that time <laughs> to go listen to a different podcast. Yep. There's right. lots of them. We'll play ourselves out. Okay, let's do it.